In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is As far as storytellers go, Jesus was the best. Okay? He was the best. And this particular story that he tells, this parable that he, that he tells, um, has something for everybody, and it should really pierce all of us to the heart in so many ways. So, first of all, let's address the issue of the son who spent his father's fortune in prodigality. Um, the really important line there is that he came to himself. He came to himself, and then he came to his father. Repentance has two parts. You acknowledge your sin, and then you return home, confess your sin in humility. But I don't want to focus on that son today. I encourage you, read through this parable, listen carefully to the hymns of the church, and identify yourself as that prodigal son. The father, the father represents God in this story. And this story reminds us that there is no unforgivable sin. There is no sin for which we cannot be forgiven. We just have to repent. We just have to come home. We just have to come home. And the Father not only greets us, but He runs to us. He throws us a party. He welcomes us back. And really this parable shows what Christ said. There is more rejoicing in heaven at the return of one sinner than with 99 that are righteous. It's not that the righteous aren't important. But it's that when we sin, we distance ourselves from God and we step into non-existence. Sin is not just breaking a law. Sin is death and corruption. So when we're living a life engrossed in sin and then we return, we literally go from the road to death and corruption to the road of resurrection. And the Father will rejoice every single time. St. John Chrysostom says that God's love and forgiveness is like an ocean, and our sin is but a mere spark falling into the ocean. It gets swallowed up and disappears. So, don't be afraid. The Father will forgive. The real question today is what about the rest of the family? Let's talk about the older son. This character in this story should also hit very close to home for each and every one of us. Last week I was talking about delusion. Delusion. And how we don't see our own sins. We don't see how we've distanced ourselves from God. And we believe that we are more virtuous than we actually are. This elder son obeyed his father's commands and he lived within the beautiful, safe, 
happy confines of his father's house. And yet, yet, he was not mourning the loss of his brother. He was judging his brother. He was shaking his head. And when his brother returns, he doesn't celebrate. He gets angry. How dare he come home? And he says, this son of yours, you can almost hear the the tone of voice, right? The sarcasm. This alleged son. And as he's talking to his father, he says, you know, this son squanders your inheritance and you give him the fatted calf, but you never even gave me a baby goat to celebrate with my friends. You can hear it coming, right? Every parent has heard this. It's not fair. It's not fair. He needs to get what's coming to him and I need to get what I deserve. Oh, wow. Now, one son went off into a far country. Another son stayed at home, but was he really close to his father in love? No. No. Boy, this one hurts. It cuts really close to home. And it should for all of us, I imagine. At one point in our life or another, We have felt that way. Somebody at work gets a promotion that we think we deserve. Somebody gets a paycheck or a bonus that we think we deserve. Right? Another student gets another, a better part in the school play that we thought we deserved. Unfortunately, in our culture, we believe that we have a desire for justice. But our desire for justice is not justice at all. Justice is the desire to make things right. We don't have a desire to make things right. We have a desire to make other people suffer. That's called envy. Envy. Father Stephen Freeman, one of my favorite writers, he explains this really well. He says, Some associate justice with God's demand for right conduct from His creation, but there's also the sense that justice has a way of balancing the scales. An evil done brings a punishment, while good done brings blessings. And in theory, at least, in theory, justice plays a role in almost all cultural legal systems. Or so we tell ourselves. Father Stephen goes on, There is a darker desire that masks itself as justice, and I would contend that it is this desire that most people experience when they speak of justice, and that is envy. He says, Envy is not the desire to have what someone else has. That desire is covetousness. Somebody has a boat, and I want that boat. That's coveting. Okay? Envy is the desire we have for the other person to get what's coming to him. It does not mean that things will, in fact, be made right. But there is a feeling that wants the other person to suffer, to be deprived, to be shamed, to be punished, and to be plundered or suffer loss. And all these things are the work of envy. And in the tradition of the church, envy is considered by some to be the primary sin. And the scriptures say that Christ was crucified because of 
envy. When you think about the elder son in this parable having envy, it makes a lot more sense. His brother came home and he needs to be punished for his bad behavior. And at the very least, if he's getting the fatted calf, I should get a fatter calf. Because I'm, I'm the good son. He's the bad son. Do you see the division created by the labels? The division created by the judgment? Do you see how the devil very subtly gets in here? The word diabolos for devil means the divider. The divider, and he divides us with these subtle things. I am, in, if you ever start a thought with, I am entitled to, dot, dot, dot. Be careful how you finish that. And be careful of what's coming. Like you're on the road to envy right there. Because if you feel entitled to something because of your pride and delusion, the envy is sure to follow. And eventually you're going to lose your mercy. You're going to want others to suffer. I mean, God doesn't want us to suffer. If anybody has a right... To inflict suffering on those who harm him, it's the Creator. And yet, He's merciful. He even says, Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. So, envy is this desire for equality, right? And we see this a lot in children. We don't have, I don't have as much as he has. It's not equal. And really, with that, if we can't have what's equal, if we can't get up to what someone else has, we want them to have theirs taken away. This is exactly what's been happening over the last year. And this culture war and all sorts of so-called reconciliations, people who desire to usurp power and demand somebody to get on their knees and apologize, that's not reconciliation. That's, that's the desire to inflict shame and humiliation. That's not reconciliation. That stems from envy. The cancel culture that we live in right now all stems from envy. People say it's justice, but really it's bloodthirst. And it moves away from mercy. You know? Um, cancel culture is all about making people suffer for what they've done to make us feel better somehow, some way. That's not it. You can make things right by changing things and changing behavior moving forward. And apologies are good and are necessary. When you have sinned, you should apologize. But this whole concept of envy is about making others apologize and legislating, legislating humiliation. That's what it's about. For example, for example, I don't even know what Mr. Potato Head did. I have no idea, but he now has to apologize to somebody for something. Like, this is how insane, this is how insane People get when the desire for so-called justice, the passion of envy gets out of control. 
okay? Gets out of control. Instead of envy and justice, we should be seeking to be merciful like the Father is in this parable. Has somebody offended you? Be merciful. It's okay to say, I was really hurt when this happened. But if you truly love somebody, you will forgive them. St. Nikolai of Zicha says, He who has no patience with us when we sin does not love us. Neither does he love us who does not forgive us when we repent of our sin. So if somebody offends you and repents, truly repents, and you won't accept that, you can't say that you love them. And you can't say that you love God. You have to wrestle with that. St. Nikolai also says, He loves us least of all who does not rejoice at our improvement. So what does that mean for us? Here in the church, over and over again, we are told the church is a hospital for sinners. We have to make space for people who have sinned to repent and return home to the Father's house. We are all recovering humans. We are all recovering humans. We are all broken. But we are not all humble. David says in Psalm 50, A broken and humbled heart God will not despise. But what we cannot do as a church and as a parish and as individuals is legislate humiliation on those who repent. We cannot demand justice for wrongs done. We have to leave that in God's hands. When somebody repents, when they return, we have to receive them with open arms. We have to acknowledge the hurt. That's okay, but we have to do everything in our being to forgive. We have to forgive. And we have to celebrate. You know, I was thinking, the church, an analogy for the church is like going to the emergency room, the hospital, right? Again, people will sometimes say, I can't go to church, I'm too much of a sinner, and that's like somebody bleeding to death saying, I'll go to the hospital after I'm better, right? We... We hear this and we say, yes, the church needs to be the place where people can go to heal. We have to make it that way. And there are lots of times where if you've ever done something stupid and got hurt and had to go to the ER, you feel really embarrassed sitting there in the waiting room, right? And you don't want anybody to know what you've done, right? But there's also a sense, like as you're sitting there with other people, that we're all in this together. And you know what would be really nice? If when somebody like recovers at the hospital and they leave, if they got like a standing ovation from everybody. Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, all right, Jimmy's going home. We see this in cancer wards, right? We see it like, especially children's cancer wards, right? There's a big party when my cousin Drayson got uh, was discharged from the hospital because he was good enough to go home. He'd recovered enough. 
Thank God all the nurses and doctors are rejoicing and patting him on the back as he goes out. Why don't we do that in the church? Seriously. You know why? You know why we don't do that in the church? Envy. Envy. Because we're afraid that we're not going to get something. But the father reassures the son here. He says, son, all that I have is yours. My life is yours. It's yours. Everything. You don't need a baby goat. You don't need a fatted calf. You've got me. You've got everything. And that's how it is with us. For those of us who are the righteous in the church, and I use that term very loosely, myself, the chief of sinners. For those of us who stay within the bounds of the church, like this older brother, we have to remember that everything that God has, He gives us. He gives us His life. He is the fatted calf. In Greek, this term fatted calf is actually wheat-fed bull, meaning one raised for a sacrifice. This is Christ. He gives us Himself. And you know, if you partake of the Lord's body and blood and, and receive just a speck of it, just a drop of it, you don't receive anything less than somebody else who might receive a bigger portion. You receive eternal life. Isn't that what we want for everybody? Isn't that what we want for our brothers and sisters, for our family members whom we love, who kind of stray off the path and then wander back like lost sheep? Yes, that is what we want. Brothers and sisters, as we go through Lent, as we go through Lent, we all need to return to the Father's house like the prodigal son. And we all need to forgive and welcome the son back like the Father. And we need to root out this sin of envy that lurks within our heart. Because if we call for justice or God's wrath to fall on someone else, we need to be careful because chances are that thunderbolt will hit us instead of them. Father Stephen says, Father Stephen Freeman says, the look of envy darkens the soul and makes true discernment impossible. It is in this lack of discernment that people fall into the delusion of justice. St. Isaac of Syria says, We know nothing of God's justice. If God were truly just, we wouldn't be here right now. Brothers and sisters, let us be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. Let us open our hearts and open our minds and open our arms to those who are wounded, to those who need to recover from this tragedy we call human life and suffering. And let us truly make this hospital right here, this hospital for the souls, 
a safe place for all people to come. And in so doing, we can be like the merciful Father in this parable. To Christ our God, the physician and healer of our souls, be all glory, honor, and worship together with His merciful and loving Father and the All-Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Yes.